Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the chocolate room. Welcome to Madcap DC, the Halloween special. I'm Daniel Bloom. And I'm David Ross. Our guest will introduce himself. My name is Cameron Argon, but I'm also known as Big Chocolate. And who better to present to a hungry audience than a man named Big Chocolate, and on Halloween no less. I picked up Cameron and his friend Joe. When we arrived, Big Chocolate broke off a few bars. I can give you um, some new stuff that probably oh, I might get shit. in trouble for giving you. Oh, we like that. <laughs> hey, hey, we like hey, the sound of that. You, I'll just play it from your phone. All right, cool. Hold your breath. Make a wish. Count to three. The best part was I wasn't like really briefed on anything that's going on. I was just told like there was a podcast at 9.30 and they were going to pick you up at this spot. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, I love those things. (laughs) Hey, it's an adventure. You You might as well just say yes and see what happens. And we got here and I got got, like a little bit like, wait, what is this? (laughs) What's actually going on? So can he hear us in there? Right now he can? Yeah, that's why he's smiling. (laughs) Look at him. Look at his little grin. Also joining us for this madcap art symposium is Sarah Sunshine. This ballad is called Carp Fish. My name is Cameron Argon, but I'm also known as Big Chocolate. Let's talk about that real quick. My name? Your name, Big Chocolate. (laughs) How did you acquire this name? Big Chocolate. Basically, came from like the whole MySpace era. You know how everyone like in the MySpace scene was like Brutal Ben or like like a Gory Joseph. Uh, I'm going to be Big Chocolate because I was like, 13, 14, like super underweight, as white as can be, and I was just like, this will be stupid, and this will be hilarious. And then when I started making all electronic music, um, I did my first remix for this metal band called Suicide Silence, and I figured the best way to make the connection that it was me from those metal and electronic stuff to use that name. But it leads to a misconception. Do people not expect you to be, let's say, an African-American when you show up? Maybe oh, six foot four? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, especially, like, these earliest stages of uh, 
my career where it's like no one really knew what I looked like. And I've I've tried now I'm really trying to like put my my face on more stuff. And like I called my last album Redhead Loke because I wanted everyone to know I had red hair and I wasn't like this super big burly black dude. Um, that's what they want. <laughs> so driving down here today, we were listening to Redheaded Loke and that is oh. that is tight. I mean, there's a lot going on on that album. First of all, we know we had to get you out of here relatively quickly because you're going over to play U Street Music Hall, my absolute favorite venue in the world. A place at which... In case anybody didn't know that. And, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he gets erect for this a place. A place at which <laughs> Mumbaton has become very popular. Oh, it is popular Th- thanks there? Thanks to Nadastrom, Dave Nada, and the Mumbaton massive parties that go down there. And was it Truman's Waltz? Yeah. That's the one. That's the the one ten Mumbaton track on it. Yeah, baby. I think if you throw that out tonight, the locals are gonna flip out. You know I be getting it sorta like I'm supposed to. funny because like I was I was playing with all these like these snare patterns and stuff and I was playing with all the drum and bass the halftime drum and bass and whatnot this was like a year and a half ago and my buddy of mine was like you gotta check out Mumaton and I thought he was talking about like an act or something like I was really confused and then I heard like some um this guy named uh, Munchie's production. Munchie, yeah, love that, him. that guy is Dominican so born, sick. From he now uh, lives in Holland and the guy is nasty. He just kills it. His productions. He's always like a year and a half ahead of the curve. Like always, always. I don't know. The guy's a G. But I heard some of that stuff and I was like, this is awesome. I'm gonna start experiment experimenting with a lot of it. But uh Truman's Waltz was a song I did with uh my good friend Budo, who I shared a bus with on Warp Tour. Okay. And he uh he's like a he's a musician. He's a producer, but he's like a a big musician like he plays the keyboards he plays the trumpet he plays the guitar and he basically just made this track at like 120 bpm and it was like a bunch of like these like all the keys and stuff you hear in it all his stuff but yeah the whole Mumaton thing that's where i i I guess that's like the last thing i've really in first thing i really like put out in that genre although i've been like a pretty big fan of it for quite some time Shout out 
shout out to Budo and shout out to Jonah Loeb, who is a friend of childhood friend of Budo, and that's how we even know about you. Really? Yes, my boy Jonah Loeb grew up in Seattle, uh, outside Seattle. He grew up with Budo, and that's the connection. I didn't know that. Absolutely. You don't invite me in. I'm sorry. It's a small world. Are you playing Blue Milk tonight? Hell yes, let's man. Talk, let's talk about Blue Milk. <laughs> let's talk about, let's blue talk about milk. milk. That's what won David Ross over. Yeah. Because he's a hip-hop head. And I played that for him, and he was like, okay. Fuck with me. I mess with this bitch. I get this. <laughs> I mess with this. <laughs> yeah. Hold, hold up. What and is I, this? Uh, it's, it's called Blue Milk. That song did well on Beatport as well, did it not? Yes, it's uh, still number one on the hip hop charts. Bang! Whoa! Woo. Fuck with me. The 808 drum kit, I've always loved that drum kit. And, uh, the biggest drum kit in dance music is the 909, which is like the more hard housey kit that uh, in house music today it's not super popular, but it's like the default techno kit. And so I've always been a more fan of the 808 kit because it's been so prominent in hip hop and whatnot. And I've always like kind of wanted a way to like work that in, but never really hit it that hard. With Redhead Loke, I put 808 elements all over the entire record, like. Like rolling snares and the 808 hi-hats and stuff, but with Blue Milk, I was basically, yeah, screwing around with the idea of just making just a pure trap song. Fuck with me. The L Word. Beautiful track. Oh, thank you very much. Where did that sample come from? It sounds like a professor. What if you have intimacy, you share secrets, passion, we feel physically uh, attracted to each other. We like each other, I'm physically attracted to each other, uh, to you. I enjoy spending time with you, but I'm not making any long-term commitments. I'm not even willing to use the L word in describing uh, what it is we have. That's that's romance. That's romantic love. It is. Words, and I love to listen to professors on like iTunes University. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Can you I make know, a suggestion? You know that existed? There's, a, know? Dude, there's, a guy na- there's a guy named David Wetzel. Shout out David Wetzel. Shout out to David yeah. Wetzel. Shout out. <laughs> Honestly, I don't expect you to do this, but if you did a track of David Wetzel, I don't know what I'd He'd do. He'd get I'd, wet. I'd yeah. probably write you a check <laughs> so for every wet. cent I have in this world. <laughs> but boy, am I attracted. Thrown in 1790. The problems Leopold faced are far, far greater than those faced by Marie Antoinette and Louis XVI and their ministers. 
But there's no revolution, no revolution in the Habsburg monarchy. And there's a big revolution. There's a big revolution in France. So what's systemic? What's the underwriting? The constant, never-changing, unceasing factor in these years is war, war, and more war. Revolution may or may not happen. War is systemic. On the other hand, if you have all three, intimacy, passion, commitment, this is consummate love, complete love. This is how he defines love. I'm not, I'm not committed to defining this as anything. I'm not committed to the future. In fact, I'm not thinking about the future. I'm thinking about right now. But boy, am I attracted. The L word, I basically wanted to make like a liquid drum and bass track, which is kind of that chilled out drum and bass style. And on my last EP that I did, I had a, a track called Sun Love, which was a liquid drum and bass. And I used uh, lectures I found on YouTube of about love or whatever. And I kind of wanted to do like a touch up on that, I guess, just the idea. So I basically made like the track and then I just sampled. I don't, I don't remember the professor's name, but... There's like thousands and thousands of lectures on the internet. And it's mm -hmm. like, when I figured that the whole like concept out of where to sample dialogue, it's the perfect thing. It's not perfect. It's not rehearsed. It's like some guy that knows a lot about it. And he's trying to like make it somewhat interesting. So the people learning about the topic can like stay awake. So he tries to make it somewhat interesting, but he's not a speaker. He's giving a lecture on a topic that he's done like research on so he it's always like pretty well informed and he's trying to like it's always very direct especially at, like that college level where it's like one term that they have to cram for for this um test or whatever so it's like they use a lot of terminology and he's explaining a lot of stuff and he's trying to relate to like like real life situations and whatnot i love that that uh idea of sampling from lectures and like for like when i first figured out i didn't want to tell anybody where they were coming from <laughs> and like i was just like there's like thousands of these. Like it's not gonna make a difference. And yeah, gold mine for sampling, college lectures. Hmm. You can only hurt the one you love, right? You can only hurt the one you love because you are expecting positive feedback from the one you love. And when that turns negative, it's, it's a blow. It's a blow to the solar plexus, right? So you can only hurt the one you can love but the one who always loves you sometimes has trouble showing you that they love you. The one who didn't really love you that much but then starts to show you that they love you, that person is uh, a powerful influence on your uh, behavior. The first major tour I did was a warp tour. I did that and I had like a lot of blind, wasn't there to see me, but like saw my name on the bill and like, let's go check it out anyways. And we're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> It was like a work tour, it was like a tour of all these bands and like punk rock and metal and uh, there's a bunch of rappers and stuff and then like I, there was me with like the jankiest table I bought from Walmart the day before Warped Tour and my laptop and like a controller and just like rocking out and it was a, I guess a very weird scene for someone to see that like that's big chocolate and that's what he does. You have to bring <laughs> your own table to warp Tour? Yeah, they have like a back line. It was like a drum set and like guitars and whatnot, but I didn't use any of that. And those tables you buy for like doing an art project on <laughs> or something, like a fold out typical. Like card table. Would it be?
Cameron Argon. In part two of our conversation, Big Chocolate takes us on Warp Tour, back home to meet Mom, and backstage at Ultra Music Festival. MadcapDC.org, on Twitter and Facebook at MadcapDC. It's part two of the Big Chocolate interview on Madcap DC. Here's an exclusive track straight from Cameron Argon, oh so smooth, high in protein, and appropriately titled Silk Milk. I'm from Nevada, this really small town area in, in northern Nevada, and I moved back down to where a large amount of my family is in Huntington Beach. Like, I was going to school, making music a lot, but I was not very serious, and then I got an offer to play Warp Tour. I remember I felt, like, really bad, because I know there's some band out there that's been touring, like, in their van, like, using, like, one pair of underwear per week, <laughs> and, like, eating Taco Bell every single day, playing the same, like, VFW halls, hoping to play Warp Tour. I was like in a position where I like I had like nine months before Warp Tour, so I, I basically moved back to my parents' house and did absolutely nothing but just make electronic music for Warp Tour. And like, I, like again, I was expecting like to play to like five, ten people. And when like the first three shows, they were in Texas and they're all like super big, and like I was playing to these great crowds, and it was like that ultimate satisfaction moment I've ever had, where it's just like, man. Hard work pays off. Look at all these kids here. So that was like the big kind of turning moment as far as me doing anything with my life in music more than just screwing around with it on the internet. So uh, yeah, I really owe that whole Warp 2 experience for basically anything that happens for the rest of my life having to do with music. The most intense process of my life was Warp Tour. Like on Warp 2, you call it like getting quote unquote warped to the point where you've just like, you've been in the Warp Tour festival. It's like. You can go to all these different cities and stuff, but you never leave the festival. Like, it looks the same every day. You might, like, there's different <laughs> kids and stuff, and, like, so, like, some people will have different accents or it'll be a different climate, but it's just, you're in Warp Tour every day. So it's, like, after a certain period, like, you're with all these people. There's, like, it's like a traveling circus. Yeah. And, like, after a <laughs> while. show, if you will. Yeah. Like, after a while, you guys are all looking at you and, like, wow, we're all in this together. Like, we're, we're all experiencing this extreme <laughs> discomfort of... Like, especially when you go down to the south or, like, Florida and all that stuff, it's, like, 105, 100% humidity. I don't know why anyone even go watch a band. Like, <laughs> and like these crowds are crazy, like, kids moshing and whatnot. I don't know. But, yeah, you get to this point where, like, it kind of brings the whole festival together because you guys are all under that one roof of just pure discomfort. <laughs> So do you bring friends to hang out with, or are you just hanging out with the other acts? Uh, mainly just the other acts. I only had uh, one person working for me, one crew member, so I was like spending like six to eight hours like selling merchandise. Um, my name was so young where I'd go to the press, because like a press booth, and like 
there's a lady there, a lovely lady named Bethany, who organizes the whole thing. Shout out to Bethany. Yeah, yeah. shout out to Bethany. <laughs> What's up, Bethany? We always like to big up the press people because they never get <laughs> any shine. Like, yeah, yeah. Big ups to Victoria. Yes. Yeah, big but while we're Victoria. at it. And Jason. Very yeah. good. Very Jason. Yeah. Like, we became friends, and I, she would help me, like, push me in. Like, have you met Cameron? We've been talking a lot about live performance, you know, DJing, but it sounds also like you kind of come from this, from the production aspect. You consider yourself a producer first? Yes. Like, I remember the whole DJing thing was really weird because, like, I did so much production work first. And, like, I think for the first, like, year and a half I was DJing, I was only playing all original remixes in original productions. So, like, basically anything I produced myself is the only thing I would play. I did that for a long time. The last show I did that 100% at was a uh, Ultra Music Festival, which oh! is like this big. It's like one of the major massives in. Uh, That's where these two met, right here. Oh, at Ultra Music Festival. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a big part of the show. <laughs> Ultra Music Festival yeah. is the the meeting. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Wait, well, yeah, I did that, and that was the last thing I did playing all original material. How and was playing Ultra? Was that? Fun? It was crazy. Yeah. Uh, it was also really insane because that was like the most legit thing I've ever done in the EDM world and it was like that's a really big thing to like just do the biggest and like I remember when I I, I got the offer it was like kind of like I needed to know within the hour kind of offers wow. and like it was it was over on the east coast and I live on, on the west coast so I, I woke up at like my typical waking hour of noon and um had all these emails and like all these missed calls and basically like before I called anyone back I, re I read the conversation and it basically ended like we just said yes because you, you're gonna do this yes. <laughs> now so I was like yeah no problem with that it sounds awesome somebody had your back on that one yeah Go into the, my whole Ultra 101 experience. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Listen <laughs> up, folks. So, <laughs> flying around in airplanes and stuff is like, hands down, like the most exhausting thing I think I've ever done. The Ultra week was the week where it was kind of like, okay, I, I got to change my approach to this stuff. So I was doing all these shows and it was like a bunch of fly dates in, in a row and I kind of felt myself coming down with something. And I'm always prone to sinuses. I flew in. And I was like, I'm going to be sick. Like, oh. <laughs> this is not good. You so can feel I, it coming. Yeah, and like uh, all my agents and managers were all down there. Like, because it, it's a big deal. Like, you go there and you meet everybody. Everybody's down there for it because it's like paradise in the water. Especially this year, it was so gorgeous. Like, the whole thing was just right on the water. So it was the first day of Ultra. And instead of going to the festival and like watching all these acts and stuff, um, I uh, walked myself to a prom care. It was like one of these really janky South Beach prom cares where they had like a like a menu is like as far as like what you wanted yeah. to do, like how much it was gonna cost. And it was really weird, like um <laughs> like if you wanted uh this test, you got it to it was it was this much, or if you had like uh 
you broke your leg, it was this much. And I've never never seen that before, and it was really weird. And How I was much in was there. healthy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was not on the menu. Yeah, that wasn't on the menu to get better. Um, <laughs> and the only thing on the wall, like usually it was like posters and like whatever, like magazines. The only thing in there was that menu. Look, I know my body. I have bronchitis. I just need antibiotics. And she gave me antibiotics, and she's like, go to rest. And I explained to her what I was in town for. And she was like, no drinking. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> well, I, I knew that, but at the same time, it was like, ah, okay. So I go back to my hotel room, and I basically just take, like, Mucinex, my antibiotics, and I, like, sneeze my head off and, like, drink, like, two gallons of Gatorade. And I'm, like, watching the Ultra Feed on YouTube. Because yeah. they were, like, streaming on YouTube, and yeah. I was like, hmm. And the next day, I played. So I had to be in somewhat of some shape to play. I woke up, still felt like my head weighed, like, 3 million pounds, still coughing my brains out. I was like, damn it. This is not good. So um, we go to this hotel, the hotel lobby where it was next to, it's next to Ultra, but we, I, we, I guess we had some friends that were staying there. And uh, one of my buddies, uh, he's a DJ and producer as well. He goes by Black Matter. And I had a bunch of tracks that need to be, like, more beefed up. Like, they were, like, pre-masters. They weren't masters. And he was like, let me, let me run them through some plugins and we'll beef them up for Ultra. And I was like, all right. So we, like, ran my whole set through this thing. And, like, I was in the lobby, like, warping all these tracks on Ableton. And I was like, so we're here with the Hyatt. I play in uh, 50 minutes. And we're mastering my stuff. Jesse James is here. I'm just <laughs> JJ hyping it up. I have to put, import all these and warp them, and then get over there within 15 minutes. I probably be over there in 10 minutes to spare, right? I would hope so. My manager's like, "We gotta go. We gotta go. Like, come on!" And basically, we like ran down the street and like. Running with bronchitis is quite a difficult task. We're running down this thing, and we, like, someone went ahead and, like, got this go-kart. It was, like, pretty cool, because, like, I don't know, I'm not I'm not used to this kind of stuff. So I'm like, oh, cool. And I hop in this go-kart, and he's hauling ass to the stage. So, we're playing 10 minutes. Hey, we let the... Hold on, we're going over to Alright, hold on. Oh. <laughs> we're playing 10 minutes. Um, <coughs> we're getting rushed to the stage via... Badass cart. We're going over a off road on shit. This is ultra. <laughs> off road on shit. Is that main stage? Holy shit. This is happening. Damn it. <laughs> and like the sound guy there is like, hey, sweet. You know, I was like, yeah, and I plug in and I start going and like, I was playing my set and I, I knew it was okay, but at the same time, I was like not feeling it. And I was like, I can't believe this is happening. Like the whole ultra thing, I, the, uh, I feel terrible. What the hell? Like this is my experience. But then like about halfway through, the adrenaline kind of kicked in a little bit more. Oh yeah. And then I had like this great time and like it was great and awesome and I had a fantastic time. And afterwards, they have, they have like these trailers for you right outside. And, like they're air conditioned and they have like, water and juice and stuff in there and I went in there and I just like died. 
I was like. <laughs> <laughs> know your thoughts about dubstep i mean dubstep has kind of blown up in terms of a yes a, a well-loved genre when i first heard dubstep i was so turned off like the first probably five times i heard it and i was like man because it was all it was like that all that like, the deep sounding stuff and i was like this is creepy <laughs> i feel like i'm in a room of people like on drugs and like looking at me all weird and then like <laughs> i started to get more into it started you're not wrong go on i started to hear like a little more, more of like more of the aggressive stuff like uh what the can like the canadians were doing like excision Whoa. and downlink and whatnot and i love was, those guys and i was like this is awesome I think the term dubstep kind of has to dissolve into just bass music, which yeah. is what like a lot of the people who make dubstep and make like the the Moomba core really heavy wobbly 105, 110 BPM stuff and make the the drum step half timed drum and bass that's pretty much just sped up dubstep. It's like it's now kind of the community is now trying to hone the term in of just bass music. We were talking about kind of lightning rods for controversy. Skrillex, what are your thoughts on Sonny Moore? Uh, I think that guy is a total G. I've met him a few times, not enough to like really like, I guess, have conversation, but just like, hi, have how are you? Have you stared like deep into his eyes? Yeah, but it's just like, hi, how are you? Cameron, he's like, good, how are you? Sonny, you're whatever. Like, that kind of stuff. It, like everything I know about the guy, he just seems like such a genuine person. You know what I mean? Like he really likes making music and doing what he's doing. He's super strong believer in what he's what he does. And the guy is like the ultimate hustler right now. That underdog approach, what I think really needs to happen every so often when something gets so. I guess like this is the only way you have to do it like you have to do it this way and he was just like no I'm gonna do whatever I want I'm gonna have like these big house trancey leads and then we're gonna like use all the like these neurofunk noisy inspired monsterly growls and just kind of combine it all together and just do whatever I want and it blew up talk about the state of Nevada. State of Nevada? Yeah. Well, I went to high school in Nevada. What was the name of the high school? Uh, it was called Douglas High School. Shout out Douglas High. Shout out <laughs> Douglas High. It's a very real town. Like uh, Everyone associates Vegas and Nevada, especially when you get further away from the state. But I lived uh, like nine hour drive from Vegas in this small town called Minden, a part of Douglas County. But yeah, Douglas County played like a, a pretty big role in music, not as much as like being a community that supported a music scene, but like just being the total opposite of 
there's being just literally nothing to do there. There's nothing to do but like playing video games and making music. So I just got really into like on the weekends. It's like, what are you gonna do? There's no like concerts coming by. There's nothing to do. There's if you don't play sports, there was like even less to do. Actually, if you don't play sports, there's like almost nothing to do. So I got really into making music, and I guess just like weekends to me were just times I didn't have to go to school, and I just made music. What kind of music did your parents listen to and introduce you to as a kid? Uh, my mom's always been pretty contemporary. Um, she's like a huge uh, Death Cab for Cutie fan. That's cool. Um, she her, her favorite's David Bowie, and uh, my favorite was Sting. So we're always like battling, like Sting's better. No, David Bowie's better. But she likes Sting as well. You like the Police or Sting solo? I actually like Sting solo better, but I'm a huge fan of the Police. As Englishman well. in New York. Oh man, love so that track. Good. <laughs> Fields of Gold. I just put that on and just like sit in my room. Desert Rose. Yes, yeah. And I hated it when I was a little kid. My mom bought it when it came out and played in the car. I was like, yuck, yuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, so happy we get to drop Desert Rose in this episode. That makes me really happy. Uh, hey, it, when you have an excuse to play Desert Rose, there's no excuses. Take it. To, yeah, take that chance. So are you having fun with this? I mean, it seems like from the outside, this would be a really fun job that you have. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Uh, it's definitely pretty wear and tear at times. I'm like, just fly around constantly, which is cool. But like, I like simple stuff. You know what I mean? I like having a home. I like having the same bed. I like going to the same Bartista every day. I would like to have a cat. Can't have a cat. Yeah, shout too. out to our kittens. Yeah, shout, shout, shout out to Kima and Calvin. <laughs> yep. Shout out to Kima and Calvin. Love them. Shout out to uh, Control and Avalon. That's a great, great, great thing. It's on uh, Friday nights. Uh, shout out to Boys and Girls Club in uh, New York City at Webster Hall. I think that's on Friday nights as well. And uh, shout out to, I think another great one I played was uh, Pound, which is down in Tampa, which I've never even heard of before I played. Usually I've Pound. heard of these. I think yeah, I know like where the this Pound is. Sign. <laughs> and that, that one was cracking off. Uh, the dance floor in that uh, venue like rotates. Wow. <laughs> uh, I know exactly where this is. <laughs> You've been there? No, my roommates were always trying to give it a go. Oh, I, I yeah. lived in Tampa briefly. You were all deep in Tampa. I forgot. Yeah, Shout yeah. out to Aaron what? Butler. Yeah, Aaron and Adam Butler. Shout Shout DJ ADA. Yeah, yeah nice. Yeah. Shout out to Joe. Yeah. yeah. Jo- Joe and whatnot. He sent me a text. He was like, quit saying whatnot so much. <laughs> 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 Shout out to uh, stuffyouwillhate.com, Sergeant D. Uh, shout out to DJ Two Stacks. Uh, shout out to Greaves and Budo. Shout out to my family. Shout out to mom because she's she's tweeting. She's tweeting. Oh yeah, video. yeah. <laughs> on the way here, she she was going through and she was favoriting every single one of my tweets. That so. is so oh, sweet. Just go it. through some favorites, all of them. And I get, <laughs> Electronic and like, dance, mom. <laughs> EDM. I retweeted my son. <laughs> <laughs> that that is terrific. We like that. Shout out to you, Big Chocolate. Oh, thank yeah. you. Cameron thank Argon, you. it's been a real pleasure having you in here. We love your music, and we wish you the best of luck in this business, man. Oh, thank you very much. And thanks, Sarah Sunshine, for being with us for the first time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Debut. Beautiful to have you. This has been a lovely episode with Big Chocolate, with Joe just appearing in the background. This, <laughs> this is Madcap DC. I am David Ross. I'm Daniel Bloom. Test me.
Cameron Argon, aka Big Chocolate. Find more information about him at bigchocolate.us and on Twitter at Big Chocolate. This is Madcap DC, madcapdc.org, and on Twitter, Facebook, and the Stitcher app at Madcap DC.